Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planted with a life you think you've lived. Oh, and by the way, you haven't even begun to see me trying to kill you. Get in. I've been looking for you everywhere. Trust me, baby, you're going to wish you had three hands. And I'm Sebastian. We're going to have to get you some better dreams. I'm Andy Sussler. I didn't realize that you could reuse that one. <laughs> I sure could. And welcome to our review of the 2012 version of Total Recall. Oh, God. Um, I want to say... You know what? I, I, like, I like Michael Caine's advice on on this one uh, it's that when you're remaking a film make sure it's sucked because if you remake a classic you know you're always going to be compared to it and why on earth would you put that burden on yourself absolutely and I I don't hate reboots I don't hate remakes 
they just need to be better. That's all. I, I'm. Yes. I know a lot of yes. people, and I'm just not to put them down. I know a lot of people are just innately against the idea of a remake because you should be creating new art, not old art. I know. I do understand that philosophy, and I don't entirely disagree. But I don't really care if a movie's being remade or not. It's just like if you are making the effort to go through and get a film and then redo it. I'm, ex- I'm expecting that you're going to do so, not just better in quality, but also you're going to bring a fresh take to it. Like, th- that's the idea, do so- right? Do something, yeah, do something, but just do it well. Make sure it's good. Yeah, exactly. Like, you wouldn't go and remake Alien, for example, because it's, it's fucking perfect. You know, you let that be. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. That's right. But... You know, if so, I, mean, uh, I love the Mortal Kombat movie, the first one. It's, you know, the better of the two asterisks depends on my mood. But if you went back and, like, they are remaking Mortal Kombat right now. Part of me is like, you know what? Action movies are so much better now, as in, like, choreography-wise, than they were in, the, in 1991 or 92 or whatever it was. And, you know, there are a lot more actors now that can do the stunts and do like, these incredible performances, but also CGI's gotten to a point where we can really up the gore levels about the games and all that. There is a, a merit to looking at remaking a film like the, like from the Mortal Kombat franchise. I'm interested. Yeah, but but by that, God, it better be better than the 90s one. <laughs> but is that what was missing from the 1990s version? No, no, I'm, I'm not saying it was. Was, I, it, was, it, was, it, was it missing intricate choreography? I mean, definitely was. It was missing decent choreography. I love that movie, but it, it looks like it's almost like TV show, you know, fight scenes. Like you'd expect that, like the Adventures of Hercules. Part of its, that's a part of its charm. Yeah, but when you watch them play, play the Mortal Kombat games, for example, like they are heavy on the gore and heavy on the brutality. So I could see why that yes, audience would want that. But that's all it is. There's no real story to it. Oh, no, if you take away its, its kitschy value and try and make it serious, you better improve some, some story, uh, some story elements. Otherwise, you're just left with a, with a shitty story that looks really good. And that's a recipe for a flop. Are you describing this movie here, Andrew? <laughs> it, it certainly, <laughs> certainly fits the bill, that's for sure. <laughs> this film definitely looks good. I will give it that. It doesn't look good in It looks a- exquisite, yeah. Okay, this is something that I've noticed. This film looks, it's that really clean, modern sci-fi look. And it's the kind that you do get in iRobot, for example. And I like iRobot, so I'm not, I'm not trying to put that movie down. And do I? And it looks and like I? Minority Report. And it looks like this, and it looks like that. And what I find so funny is, we watched the original Total Recall last week, and that movie looks like yeah. a much better version of, say, the Super Mario Brothers movie. But they're kind of <laughs> okay. But they're yep. in the same time frame, and there are some <laughs> visual similar similarities. But I never look and say, "Oh, I hate that '80s circa '90s film aesthetic. It's terrible." <laughs> but I look at this stuff, which is objectively better looking, and I'm always like, "Oh, it's that gross fucking f- fake clean yep. CGI yep. look." that I hate and maybe it's nostalgia, but you know what? I watched Total Recall for the first time last week. I had no nostalgia going in and it still looked great. And this film, while it does look better, I feel nothing for it. (laughs) I don't know why. And and I think that's because there's no, there's no real soul to it. Yep. Like it's, it just looks good because the director thought, we need something good looking as opposed to we need, we need to make this place feel real. Yeah. I wonder if I, who did direct this anyway? Who do I rip into? Give me a minute. You're right. You keep going. Uh, Len, find out who Len you Wiseman. 
Glenn Wiseman, who was behind the Underworld series. Oh, God, that's why. Okay, I am going to be crucified yeah. for this at Bastion underscore James. <laughs> the Underworld movies are all shit. They've always been yes, shit. They are. But they started they started top of the shit pyramid and got worse. And okay, that's a weird way of describing it. So the top of the shit pyramid is better than the bottom of the shit pyramid in this case. Like it's the king shit. Um I hate those movies, but the first one is the best one. Um and then they just get progressively worse. And I'm gonna I think okay, he's gonna hi Chanstar, it's me, Sebastian. Chanstar from Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. Once a once a fortnight, will message me to tell me how wrong I am, and I do believe from memory he's a big fan of the underworld films. I'm sorry if you're not, but I think that you are, and I know the message is coming, and I'm not sorry. They're bad. They're all bad. <laughs> oh fuck! If I had known this going in, I would have lowered my expectations even more. Yeah. All right, sorry, Andrew. As you were, that's all right. oh, I just no, got blindsided I'm by gonna... trash. <laughs> You're right. I, I, the thing that the thing that people want. Look, I'm not trying to speak on behalf of people, but when when I go into a film, all I care about is a good story. I want to have a good experience, and if it looks pretty and there's no story, I don't care. If it has a shitty story and it looks shitty, I don't care that it looks shitty. Yep. I care that you know it, it had a bad story. You can do whatever you like as long as you have a good story. It doesn't matter how it looks. You know, you can you can you can polish a turd and it and it's still a turd. It still stinks. Oh no! You know, Andrew, you're not, not going to get rid of that. It's worse. It's worse. It's worse you think? <laughs> he did Die Hard Four, and he's doing the McLean's the McLean prequel of the like origin oh, story. He? Yeah. Oh, and well, look, he. Oh. He has an audience. He has an audience because he keeps getting jobs. So he must he must be pulling something in. I'm happy for him and his family. <laughs> <laughs> like, object, subject, it's fine. And I wish them all the success in the world. I just wish some of it would spill over into, into his films. <laughs> Sorry, the, the Underworld movies are like, look at our kick-ass vampire versus werewolf action. And I'm always watching them going like, yeah, but when does the good action start? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It is like bold and beautiful style performances. And Kate Beckinsale, I'm not, I don't not like her. She's absolutely fine. Like, she gives some strong performances here and there. There is some good work under her. So I can't, I'm not going to show on everything she does. But it's like her direction in that movie was remember all those years of acting that you've, you've learned to do? Well, no, scrap those. This is an experimental film where you yeah. don't give a performance. And it's like, that's, that's the direction that was given. I oh, hate it so much. Anyway. Being, being in Underworld, um, she's played the same character for a long time. Like even, what was it, Aeon Flux? Is that an Underworld series thing? It's, it looks exactly like it. I can't tell the difference. That's based off an anime, the same I thing believe, all over again. Or, or oh, right, of some kind. Um, for me, it was indistinguishable. It was the same crap all over again. Yeah, this is not, it's not a good time. All right, now, okay, I've lowered the bar. Not a good time. <laughs> I've lowered the bar. Total Recall uh, so, 2012 is a masterpiece considering. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It, on IMDb, it, it's surprisingly high at 6.3, whereas the original uh, is at 7.5. So according to IMDb users, there's not much, that much difference between them. But head on over to Rotten Tomatoes, and you get a 31% critical score and 47% audience score. Marked difference from uh, the original, which has an average of 80. Okay, this is interesting. For me, this movie is not... Oh, how do I phrase this? It's, it's a dumber version 
of the original, as in like the, just the, the, the like the kind of plot they're putting through is really watered down. It is really, unfortunately, to use the term like Hollywooded in that sense. Yep. But performance-wise, it's not terrible. Like I do like the lead, and it's got some really it's got a really good cast in it. Like it really does. I just it's no heart. I just don't give a fuck about anyone in this film. That's exactly right. The, the problems with this film uh, have nothing to do with the cinematography, nothing to do with the set design, costume design, nothing to do with the performances, nothing to do with the cast. It is entirely to do with the lack of story. Yep. Okay. I'm gonna before we. I know we, well, we'll get into a pl- in the plot itself, but I just want to preface. So in the original one. It's set on Earth, and then the, ne- the second half of the film is all set entirely on Mars. And on Mars, yes. there's effectively like a class war going on between this, the secret agency that kind of runs it and the working class people. It's not that kind of well, movie. Got, like, um, it's not a political thing, but that's, that is the story, yeah? yeah. You've this, got Cohagen, the governor, who has a free hand to do whatever he likes as long as the turbinium makes its way back onto Earth because the North and the South are fighting a war there. Yeah. So this film with its 2012 budget and its 2012 CGI and its 2012 um, screenwriters thinks, oh, you know, that Mars thing, that's too cool. You know what we should do? We should rewrite it. So it's based, it's based on the British empire and the colony, uh-huh. which is just Australia, like literally just Australia. Uh-huh. They're the only two inhabited places left in the planet by what I understand. And they're, even though planes exist, they've decided to hollow out a tunnel between England and Australia, which goes yep. through the direct core of the earth and people take a lift or effectively like it's, it's like a, a ship, but effectively it's an elevator um, exactly right. from one to the other. And that's their version of earth and Mars. Australia became Mars and it's the weirdest fucking thing. And also I need to look at a globe now because uh, is England and Australia directly on the other side? Because it goes through the center of the Earth, which to me says it it must be polar opposites. It doesn't quite go. Th- it doesn't quite go through the center. When you see some of the graphics, it does show the the path of the fall, which is what they call the the elevator. It does go around the the very core of the Earth, so it is a slightly curved path. Oh, was it? Okay, because I thought there's a sequence where they're like going through the Earth's core and like gravity's about to adjust no. and stuff. Okay, so it, no, it's getting close. Don't I not- don't think, yeah, I don't think uh, the antipode of anywhere in England falls on land, but it certainly would be close to Australia. Yeah, interesting. All right, you're, anyway, not to get too sidetracked by that, I know we'll get into it during the actual film, but I was just like, is that is that a thing? Or do they just like adjust a map a little bit to make it work? Because it's stupid. <laughs> I think um, you can you can do a Google search of, of where the antipode of someplace would be. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a look. Anyway. Um, uh, anyway, um, budget for this film was twice what... Uh, it's New Zealand. Was in 1990. It's Otago, to- New Zealand. Is oh, the there you antipode go. There of you England. Go. Yeah. So okay. That's not too far from us, to be fair. Like that's a, it's a four-hour. I mean, no, that's true. For where we are in Australia, it's like a three or four-hour plane ride to New Zealand. Like that's for people outside the area. That's the distance we're talking from at least the um, uh, the east coast yeah. of Australia from where we are. So it's not terribly far. I mean, four hours in a flight's fuck all. Like it's not far, but I mean, it's look. I have criticisms of the idea of the fall, but <laughs> I'll summarize it. I'll summarize it based on what you've said, and it's. 
Yes, it is very stupid. Um, it really is. Given, given all the other stuff that we see in this film, it is so stupid. Yeah. You know, the film isn't even considered. I've, I've got a note later on. I may as well say it now. Like they have um, a, a maglev cars with sky highways, <laughs> right, built around these cities. Yes. But there are still street roads with rubber-tired cars driving around. Why the fuck does that exist in Thank this you. world? I thought I had, like, I had tripped out when that was happening. Because <sighs> I was like, why, oh my- <laughs> why is his car this... <laughs> Fucking Tesla concept model with yeah. hover jets and shit, but he lands on and like it looks a crate. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You've got elevators going all around. You've you've got you've got the sideways elevators, so you can essentially, you know, when you're when you're changing tracks, uh, you you go through these elevators and you just join the highway at some point later on, and presumably they land in some garage in a, in a building as well. But then you've still got street roads that are being maintained with gutters and and you know. Cobblestone and, and all that kind of. Why does that still exist? Why did they get up to the point of having cars that could pretty much fly, but still need roads to guide them? Which I thought was funny because yeah. if you've got roads that yeah. these things, I know, I know, like the car hovers underneath the road rather than on top. Oh, well, but it does both on top and underneath. So, like that's the practicality of it all. You've got double the lanes, I guess. But well, they, they they don't fly. It, it's it's a magnetic uh, electromagnetic thing. Yes. To my point. That seems very expensive when you could just be using cars on those roads. Because <laughs> like, uh, yep. you've still exactly, got the road. Yeah, exactly right. But now you put magnets exactly into right. it, which is more expensive than granite, I would say. <laughs> and this is and this is another another criticism of it looking cool without really being thought out for how it actually works and making no sense. And if it makes no sense, who cares? Yep. All right. Anyway, we're, 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 I, we're I certainly out. didn't. We're well out of sync. We'll keep on trivia for a bit, but I know this film is just irritatingly dense. Uh, I say dense, and I don't mean dense in a good way, like it's complex. I mean dense, like it's yeah. trying to teach algebra to some literal bricks. Like, it's like, yeah. Well, it, it, it certainly wasn't as popular in the box office because it, uh, 20 years after the original, it had double the budget and didn't make as much money as the first one did. Um, in, you know, it it uh, had a budget of $125 million and took 198 at the at the box office, um, factoring in marketing, maybe it made its money back, maybe not. I hope not. Sure. Teach him a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and we talked about this last week, but Minority Report, Minority Report, um, which is another Philip K. Dick story, was originally developed as a Total Recall sequel, um, but instead of making that, they made this, which was a reboot of Total Recall. Colin Farrell is in both. He, of course, plays the detective investigating. Tom Cruise in Minority Report. And he's great. He's great in that. He's great. Yes, he's a great. I watched In Bruges recently. I forgot how fucking awesome In Bruges is and how good Colin Farrell is when he doesn't have to have an American accent. (laughs) Yeah, he's fantastic. He's a great actor. He really is terrific. Um, The fight scene um, very early on in the film at Recall, which is all, you know, Done to look like it's it's uh, done in one continuous shot. Again, it's gratuitous. Um, it doesn't really have any substance to it. It just looks kind of cool. It took twenty three takes to get right. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Farrell once slept on the set in order to wake up in the future, which I think is a really cool idea. If they were building the set around him, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that whole that whole set where where it first pans when when he's walking around um, 
you know, outside when, when he first goes to recall. That entire set with the canal and the shops and the lights and everything, that's all a real set oh, okay. that, they, that they built. So I, yeah, he slept on there to, in order to wake up in the future, which is a, yeah, a, a cool idea. Yeah, Design-wise, <laughs> it's, it's fun. Like little things, like I love the, the mobile phones in this film, like that are built into your hand and you press them against the glass to see who you're talking to and stuff, as opposed to just like talking normally. Really? Yes, it's a cool idea, but so impractical. And why the fuck would you bother with that? Why well, would you bother? Well, it was a spy thing, if right? You, in this film, like it was just the, just the agents had it because the no, guys in the streets. No, no, if you, no, you just you just have a little. You, you don't need to have a phone screen with you. Have a little transparent sheet or something in your clothes that slips out that you can that you can project onto. You don't need to have this implant into your hand and then have to find a glass surface in order to project this thing. It looks cool, but it's so stupid. Yes, but it does look cool. I've, I'm just talking aesthetically. Cool. <laughs> just aesthetically, it looks really cool. Um, but yeah, okay. Anyway, sorry, as you were. <laughs> it's just, that's all I have. Um, it looks pretty. <laughs> Jumping ahead maybe a little bit, um, this film is far less ambiguous as to whether uh, Quaid is really um, going through this for real or if it's just a part of the implant that he goes, uh, that he gets at, at recall. But there is a little bit of foreshadowing when we first see him in the fall when he's going to work because that's where you want your workers housed on the opposite side of the planet. That's um, what I always reading- say. Yeah, <laughs> he's reading the Spy Who Loved Me. The um, bond- nice bit of foreshadowing. Yep. Good. He's the spy, and you know he's dreaming about a girl who he's fallen in love with, or you know that loves him. Whatever the case may be. I might just be in the wrong uh, age yeah. group. I've never had this fantasy where I wish I was a spy. <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of cool for, but I never, I never fell into that either. So. But apparently, it's very common between males of a certain age. <laughs> In, in this world, you I think guess. so? Apparently. No, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm with George Costanza on this. My ultimate ambition and fantasy is to be an architect. Yep. No, why? why? It's all, it's all, a, it's all a, yeah, no, it's kind of cool. <laughs> and genuine. I, I do genuinely want to be an architect. Oh, there you go. Hey, can I guess who was considered for Melina and uh, to play Quaid? Okay. Um, I did over. I did read about somebody that was meant to play Quaid at some point, but I don't know if it's the same yes. actor. Um, I saw that Ethan Hawke was meant to be his original face before we had the tra- the um the plastic surgery, but I don't know who was meant to play the actual character. Um, give me a hint. Interesting. I'll, I'll have a guess. Yeah. Give me uh, give me a bit of a. Uh, we saw him in a review of uh, the Batman series. Oh, um, what's his name? I was going to say Nolan. Um, no, uh, Christian Bale. Not Christian Bale, but Tom Hardy. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that works too. Yeah, he'd be Tom good Hardy that. and Michael Fassbender were both were considered, and uh, Scarlett Johansson was considered for Melina, but because of her commitment to Avengers, she couldn't uh, couldn't make it. Oh work. no, she escapes. I mean, that, that's a really good choice by her. I think she could have pulled it off. Like the actress they got, I, I can't um, I can't recall her name off the top of my head. But she and Kate Beckinsale look very similar to one another. Yes, they did, which threw um, me off a couple of times, unfortunately. Uh, Jessica Biel. Oh, I, Jessica Biel, I yeah. Do. What a huge Biel fan, um, to be they, honest. But... At least with Scarjo, she would have you know, had the blonde hair um, or could have had you know, blonder hair, so there was more of a distinction. I get really confused by similar faces on screen. Yep. Um, and especially when everything else in the film looks the same. Um. 
especially for, for modern films, I get really easily confused when, when the actresses look the same as well. And I think that's a part of a, a part of the strategy for making the film. As long as they make everybody look kind of the same, um, it's that uh, what was it? Was it called the Keanu effect or the Neo effect? Where in the Matrix, Neo looks so bland in order to oh yeah, for the audience to be able to project themselves into into his role. You know, he doesn't really have any standout characteristics in order to make him accessible to the most to the most people. Yep. It's, yeah, they make him so like neutral that you can just step into yeah. a role in theory, yeah. I, I prefer having characters that are distinct, but then again, I like good stories. I don't really care for the flashiness. <laughs> yeah, I think we're on the same we're on the same boat here. Yeah. Um, okay. That's that's all the trivia I have. So I'm I'm happy to go into uh, into the story if you like. Yeah, let's start it. I'm. I mean, we're going to be retreading a little bit from last week, but in a much yeah. worse way. So let's have fun. <laughs> Look, for anybody who's listening and you know likes this film, um, unfortunately, my side of this review is going to be a lot of comparisons unfavorably to the original. Um, if you if you want to skip ahead to the end, uh, all I'm really going to going to say in this is that this film looks cool, but it's entirely stupid. And I'll point out all the things that I think are cool, but I'll also point out exactly why I think it's stupid as well. Yeah, and I'll put my cards on the table. I had to watch this film in two sets because I'm not even kidding. At about the 50-minute mark, I actually fell asleep for three hours. And then to- oh, you're kidding. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, when I woke up, because I, I watched these the, both these films in a double feature, and I smashed through the first one, had a great time. You've heard the review. And then when I decided to watch the next one, when I woke up, I had a point where I was like, maybe I should just watch like a summary on YouTube or something. And okay. I had to convince myself, no, Seb, got a job to do. Watch the other hour and 10 minutes. And did it. And I'm a little bit unhappy that I did. <laughs> um, but anyway, sorry. I, you, you I, I, saw this, I saw this one in the cinema and I was skeptical going in that it was going to be good. Um, there's a scene in this, the, the chase scene on the highway that I did not remember seeing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've only seen this film. I've only seen this film for the second time for this, for this review and the entire highway chase. I had no recollection of that at all from, all right. from the first viewing. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, should, and, I should say, Oh, sorry. You guys were, sorry. You continue. No, it's, it's, it's just entirely, entirely pointless. To, to the story, it's just a chase scene where, where he gets away with with uh, with Melina. Thank that's God it. that's, that's, did, that's yeah. all that happens, and it and it takes minutes of, of flashiness to to get there. Um, but I don't know if I if I zoned out or I blanked it out. I'm not sure what happened. But I had no recollection of it at all. Okay, I was going to say I do feel like I may have done this film a slight disservice by watching the good one and then watching it right after each other, but. Also, this film is so self self referential to the original. I also think I did it a favor because a lot of the shit that they pull in this film would have just gone by the wayside had I have not had it fresh in my mind. So, while it's almost unfair for me to double feature the films that I did, I also feel like it's yeah. entirely their fault. So that can be unfair. That's fine. So yeah. I just want to lay out that okay. I may have pre pre <laughs> made myself bias, but the film kind of flaunts that. So. You know, you you took a shit in your pants, and now you have to live with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
away we go, yep. walking with shitty pants. <laughs> yeah. yep. oh. uh, we open we open with uh, Colin Quaid being chased uh, with with Melina by some guys, some robot shooting at them, um, and they you know nearly get away. They're separated. There's a there's a taser whip, which is really cool that the that the robot uses. It shoots this thing and it electrocutes uh, uh, Colin Quaid, and it's and it looks kind of cool. It's a cool idea. And we find out it's all a dream sequence. And we know how much I love those. You love them. I prefer the one in the first one because it was flashy and on Mars and it involved Arnie's face exploding as opposed to a yeah. spy fight. Well, that's fine. We've got we've got the taser weapon. Okay, so far I'm still I'm still with the tool and that's all right. It's all done to establish that uh, to, to establish Melina's character when she comes back. Which if you're not paying attention you could confuse with Kate Beckinsale uh, in, in the next scene anyway. But- okay, well, actually, this is a good point of difference, sorry, between the two films. So the scene that we, we yeah. the dream sequence, we actually do see later on in, in, in other parts, the setup and all that. Like, we do actually come across that scene again. So he was dreaming yes. of a past event, whereas in the original, he's dreaming of a future, or, or a variation of a future event. So yes. it is worth saying that they, from the get-go, these films are going to kind of go off on different tangents in that way because I wouldn't call it a premonition in the first one because Quaid is not a psychic character. But um, it's definitely kind of bringing us in a, in a slightly different way, whereas this film is it's a flashback to something that has happened that you can't remember in theory. Like, we will discuss so it. So we're led to believe because we never actually see this, this chase, but... Don't we see him when yeah. he when he implants the memory or when he's when he leaves the message for himself himself? He's in. No, the- we never we never see it again. It's all it's all implied that yeah, you you were actually with with this girl and you were actually escaping and that's well they get like the, the scar on their hand and stuff to kind of show that they were both there and all yeah. that. Like, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I will say cards on the table. Where last week, where I, I'm pretty sure it was a dream, but I can accept both versions. This version, I'm pretty sure it was real, and I don't care. Yeah, yeah, me too. And, and, and I don't care. That's exactly right. Yeah. it's it's not it's not without its payoff. I mean, the whole scar on the hand happening in that you know, is it a dream? Is it a is it a memory or whatever? It does have a payoff right at the very end, but you know. Yeah, who cares? Exactly. The rest yeah. of the film is so, and it's yeah. So we find out, um, we find out the dynamics of the world. You've got the, um, you've got the the British Empire that's supposed to be the Northern Bloc, and we've got the Colony, which is the Southern Bloc. They're not at war. Um, in fact, they have they have this thing called the Fall in between them, where the workers live in the Colony. They go through the fall in order to work in the north where you also have very wealthy people living there and all the factories are there. Why would the factories be where the wealthy people are? I don't know. It's just a stupid contrivance to get people using this using this thing. Um, just the logistics of having this thing in place, you have to bore through the earth uh, with you know temperatures that will melt any conventional building material. You have to maintain it. You have to actually run the damn thing, which actually wouldn't be that that bad because you just let gravity do most of the work for you anyway. But there would have to be good communication between between the two. You certainly don't want to, uh, you know, end up with the other end being blocked off, and then that's it. You fall back down to the center of the earth, and how on earth do you do you get out of that? So you would want to trust 
um, that the other end is going to have their, their thing open, and you would think it would be run by the same organization. Apparently not, because we find out that Kerhagen wants to invade the colony for some reason. Andrew, the living space, we're told. I don't say this with a point of exaggeration. <laughs> I mean this clear cut. I have watched a lot of science fiction movies. I yep. have watched a lot yep. of fantasy movies. Some I like, some I don't yep. like. The concept <laughs> of the fall is by far the stupidest thing I have yep. ever seen yep. in a science fiction film. It, it really is. Like it's impractical. It's why on earth would this thing exist in this in in this universe? Why would you use it the way it's being used in this universe? Yeah, nothing. No part of it makes sense. It's just a cool idea. And also, okay, so you can currently through certain companies buy tickets to expeditions to either the moon or Mars. They've not come through yep. yet, but they're in the stage yep. where they think it is close enough that they are getting backers. They're getting pre-sales done. That is how yeah. close they think. Whether it happens next tomorrow or in 20 years from now, there is a time frame in which they think this is practical. Did you notice how no one's digging to fucking China right now? <laughs> because it's impractical because there's no world in which that is a good idea um, I just, the deepest hole we've managed to dig in the earth is like 11 kilometers deep and it's only 12 inches wide and that's the best we've been able to do yeah. because it's so hard to dig down I just, and why would you what's the payoff exactly what's the, what's the payoff for all that investment what's the payoff I'm actually, I'm now curious. I'm going to look up how much it costs to go to Mars because I want to, I want to compare per person. <laughs> oh, crap. NASA's I registration mean, to Mars 2020 has closed. Oh, oh well, maybe Bugger. next lifetime. Um, <laughs> I thought like Virgin, wasn't it like Virgin or SpaceX is what I want to be looking at, isn't it? SpaceX, yeah. Okay. Prices. Sorry, you continue, Andrew. I will interrupt at some point, letting you know how much more practical this is to the fucking fall. Oh my uh, god! Right. So we find out that uh, Quaid works in a robot factory. He's a human working in a robot factory, which is kind of funny. Yep, Something and like that. making one of the key antagonists of this film, the robots. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. And he gets this idea that he'd like to go to recall. Now, can you remember why Douglas Quaid in the first one, Arnold Quaid from now on, we'll call them when we're comparing them, why Arnold Quaid wanted to go to recall? Well, he he wanted to go to Mars, but his wife didn't want to leave, right? Is that, am I remembering correctly? Like he wanted to go on a Correct. trip? Correct. Seb, tell me why Colin Quaid wants to go to recall. Um, he was bored of sitting on a bus. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty much though, like he wasn't on the bus, he was on the fall. He was like, this is Thank a you. shitty sci-fi Thank concept. Can I have a cool sci-fi concept instead? Yep, he's bored. That's exactly it. That's exactly the reason that he goes. He's bored. He's bored. Where was his... I'm trying to remember. Was his was his um, recall adventure thing meant to be on Mars? What was his adventure? Just a spy adventure? Or was he also he meant... He was, was just going to be a spy, I think, yeah. That's bullshit too. Write a yeah. book, read a book, watch a movie, anything. Yeah, exactly right. No, none of that. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> he gets to the robot factory. It turns out he's been, he's been um, uh, passed over for a, for a promotion. 
Um, and he goes back to, to the colony. He's there with Harry at the bar because his wife has already gone to bed. Uh, and he's just lamenting, yeah, I, live, I have a shitty job and I go to this, you know, to pay for a shitty house and I'm in the shitty bar drinking shitty beer. No offense to the bum, and he goes, no, I don't give a shit. Okay, Andrew, I got prices. <laughs> it's, about, <laughs> it's about $200,000 per person, which is a lot of money, but also would mean in theory, like if I sold my house, I could potentially go to space. So it's actually, it is a physically achievable thing yeah. for me, a 29 year old. I would have to make a lot of big life changes for it to happen, but I can get to the fu- I can get to fucking space in my lifetime well, at this yeah. at this age. Yeah. So, for the record, the fall is even dumber than it sounds. Yeah, it's so it's so badly executed. So Quaid is Quaid is walking around. He's, he's you know left left Harry at the bar, uh, who has urged him not to go to recall because because I have to got- kill you if you do it. I mean, sorry because yeah. you're going to get a lobotomy or something. Oh, wait, they're going to let them bottomize. Yeah, exactly right. Don't fuck around. Just, you know, sort your shit out and, and that's it. So, just be miserable like Quaid. the rest of us, Quaid. Shut up and hate your life. Yeah. Sit on the same yeah, fucking Col- seat here and just hate everything. Yeah. Colin Quaid immediately goes to recall after that, after getting the sage advice, after seeking the sage advice of Harry. Well, no, because his new pupil... Um, is very pro recall, and he tells him like, "No, I've used it. It's, it's fucking tops. Go, go, have fun." Like that's that. Yeah, that's that's before or, or this back back in the factory. He's talking yes. to another factory worker who says, "Yeah, take this discount voucher or whatever, and ask for Rick or Mal or whoever it was. I can't remember." Ask for uh, John Cho. Is it John Cho? Or was his yeah. first name? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, John Cho, yeah. Great actor, by the way. Very sad to see him get shot in the head after being in fucking screen for two minutes. But um, he's, he's so underused in this. Like, he's at recall, and he's doing his thing. He's having his spiel, and like, okay, this is the way it works, and this is the way it's going to do. You're going to have a fantastic time. And then immediately after, uh, after you know, the, the memory implant doesn't work or there's, or there's some suspicion that some, something's going wrong, he pulls the gun and just starts yelling at Colin. What the who the fuck are you? Who sent you? Well, what? Where did oh, this come from? Actually, this whole scene, the recall scene, does make me think it was a dream. I will say this film's not clever. I just think that this one scene was written with the idea that it's a dream, and then the rest of the movie's written like it wasn't a dream. Because the setup is effectively it's a little bit it's similar but a little bit different to the original in that in the original, the idea was you can't implant a memory if you've already got memories implanted. That's the basic yeah. idea. We can only have one layer of memories there. In this one, That's it's right. you can't have a memory implanted that is too close to an actual memory that you have because they they, they will conflict and it'll and it'll spiral out of control for your brain. Yep. Yeah, so he's like, don't have a memory about having a mistress if you do have a mistress because you'll have the same. It won't work. Yeah. So your, yeah, your brain can't can't resolve between the two. Yeah. So he's very clear. They're doing a check in him to effectively. I think they've referred to it as like a polygraph to determine whether or not he is going to have any issues with the memory they're implanting, and he right. triggers it saying that he has memories of being a secret agent, and they're giving him secret agent memories. So John yeah, Cho, the fluid starts up the the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So Cho goes crazy. They abort the sequence. Now. This one's really well done in the way that it is just like as the liquid's leading into his veins and stuff, and it plays in such a way like you could buy it as he, it has been aborted 
or it's already happened and everything from that moment is dream onwards. Like this actual scene in terms of that execution, I'm happy with. What I'm unhappy with is somehow instantly after they abort the mission, this government agency floods into the room to to kill Quaid. And he hasn't done anything yet. And he hasn't told them that he was there yet. In fact, the last conversation he had was with his friend who he's, and they kind of left going like, yeah, I won't be going to recall. That's right. And if there was danger of him going to recall and popping something, wouldn't they try and stop him from doing that rather than waiting for him in case something goes wrong afterwards? Yeah. And it's honestly, it's just like, it's not even like the recall guy set off an alarm. It's the instant it happens, they kick through the door like they're cued to in a movie. Yeah. And then it just happens. And that for me says, this is, a, this is now, this is all bullshit. Because it's so, yeah. it doesn't make sense. In, in terms of the actual world, it does not make sense that they were ready to kick down the door the second that all happened. Because nothing's, there's been no trigger point for them to actually do that. Whereas exactly. in the original, he talks to his friend, his friend finds out, and then they kind of do that thing. So that's, right. that's why it's, I don't know, it leans towards dream for me because it's just all, it's too quick. Yeah. And, and it, you know, it looks like, you know, a bad writer wrote it. Well, that too. Like it's the second he remembers, he, he almost remembers something. The government's there to kick down the door and kill him. And I'm like, well, how did you know? Like, how did you know yeah. that this happened? Like, he's still in the fucking there chair. There is something cool in this, though. Yeah, there is something cool in the scene. I really like the idea of the camera dart that then explodes all the little cameras around the room. Yeah. Yes. In order nice. to get a vision inside the room, that's very cool. It's a very cool idea. Yep, this film is full of cool ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So there's, um, yeah, he has the fight. He takes down a dozen SWAT and then another dozen chase after him. He evades them all through this village. We see the three-breasted woman again who is just there as a cameo. I mean, in in the first one, you know, she's important because she's a mutant. Everybody else who is a mutant has this horrible disfigurement or deformity hers is a third breast that she can actually market and she actually is still you know her face is unaffected so this is a deformity that she can actually use to her benefit whereas in this one it's just a regular woman with three breasts who does that um what what is she i don't know There's there's no point to it it's just a callback that makes no sense whatsoever because it was in the original that's the only reason it's here Yep, I agree. It's, yep, it's absolutely useless. I can get, like, if they didn't do it, somebody would make the comment, oh, why didn't they do this? But also, there's a lot of reasons why not to because it literally doesn't make sense in this film. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Don't just, don't just you know, get on the get on the bandwagon of things that people know and, and reference the shit out of it just for the sake of it. Actually make it make sense. Actually make it time to the story somehow. It sounds like it you're asking for them to make a good movie and I don't think that was the memo yeah. that was hanging around the studio when this one was going uh, through. I can I can see the dilemma. I can, yeah. see, the, I can see where I went wrong. Yeah, it is entirely your fault, I think. So we, <laughs> <laughs> he gets, uh, he evades them uh, for a little bit. He's in a, uh, he's in a dingy little, little alleyway and he gets a call on his hand implant phone, which again looks cool, but is entirely stupid. Does look cool though. Yeah, we get we get a modified message of the guy from uh, from the original, uh, essentially laying out that he's his friend. He was supposed to contact him if he went missing. He went missing, and so he needs to uh, get rid of the implant because that's how they're tracking him. 
he also needs to, you know, go to this place or whatever, you know, to find a suitcase or whatever. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And that's how he's going to escape and, and get away and find out what's going on. He has to find the key. You know, he has to go to his apartment and find the key or something. Anyway, uh, he's, he's looking through um, he's looking through the, the suitcase that he gets. I can't remember what it is. How does, how does he get to it? He has to is go... It back s- his, no, it's not back his- Doesn't he go sign for the suitcase? Is this not the stupid scene where... Oh, he- that's right. Yeah, he, he gets to a bank and expects a deposit box at a, at, at a bank. Yep. That's what it is. And, and that's what it is. He's in a secure room, so he can open it and check through all his stuff. He checks through there. You see him pull out some passports and we see a photo of the guy... Of, of the face of an Asian guy that we're about to see in the next scene. Yep. Completely undermining the whole the whole point of of, of him, uh, you know, going through the fall and immigrating into into the northern uh, the northern place, the the, the British Federation, um, because we we know it's we know it's him. Whereas in the original, when he's going through Mars and passing through immigration, we don't see any anywhere. We just see this. Large woman who says she's only there for two weeks. Who they also they put into this film, same very similar looking woman, obviously not the same person, goes up, asks the question, "How long are you staying here for?" and does answer two weeks. Which, like I said, watching them right after each other made me appreciate that that was all the same stuff. So they did attempt to mislead. Again, it's just there because it was in the original. It's not in this one for any reason other than that. Yeah. This scene kind of is helpful, I guess, in a way, because it does set up that tech of the, the face hologram, because that does come back at the end of the film as well, which, I but mean... Why, I, but, yeah. why show, but why show the, the, the passport photo? Because we know it's him. There's no mystery. We know that that is Colin Clay. Yep. It's not, it's not clever. It's just ticking a box. Yeah. Anyway, there's a fight at the airport or whatever it is, the, the fall port, um, and he... And Colin Clay escapes. He... Um, uh, escapes onto the onto the road. He gets you know onto a car that goes up the lift, and he's on the highway, and he gets thrown off. And then Melina, magically again, coincidentally or whatever, she knows exactly where he is, and she skids across the highway in a maglev car and says, "Come with me if you want to live," or whatever she says. Yeah, get to the chopper. Come with me. Yeah, yeah, all that crap. That, yeah, all those buzzwords. And the maid drive off in a in a scene that I did not remember seeing when I was in the cinema. It's so forgettable. But there's, oh. a, but there's a chase scene. It's like the Matrix. Lots of cop cars flipping it's around. Now a good time to mention. Oh wait, has he gotten to his, his his apartment yet, or not? No, he hasn't gone there yet. Okay, the second he's about to get there is when I fell asleep. Um, okay. For three hours. <laughs> okay. To come back. So, um, depending on where I've restarted, I might be five minutes on either side of that, a bit short of knowledge because I don't. I just kind of restarted when he was in the apartment. So I might be a little bit useless right. for, those 10, for at least a 10-minute gap there. But maybe not. I, I don't know if I missed it or not. Well, we're on the way to his apartment. I mean, that's, that's where he needs to get to next. And uh, Melina pulls up in the car. He recognizes her from his dream. They have a little conversation about uh, Cohagen and Matthias and the resistance. Okay. This is a good time to bring this up. Matthias is the head of the resistance. Yep, played by um, wonderful actor whose name is Wonderful escapes- actor, completely underused Bill Nye. Oh, sorry. Completely. Yes. I was going to say as well, and, we've got Cohagen played under- by Brian Cranston. So we've got two really oh, good and, actors and, and, as the heads. Yeah, he's underused as well. Yep. Everybody, everybody's underused. Um, so Matthias is head of the resistance who is working against Cohagen. 
Tell me why he's working against Kohagen, Okay, wait, wait, wait. I can do this. I don't actually think he was doing anything wrong in this film, was he? I'm trying to remember what his reason was. Because he was framed Oh, his from... reason is that because Kohagen is the bad guy. That's why he's against him. Well, that's why you got to be against him, Andrew. That's what my, I mean, yeah. most of my, uh, most of the things I do are just acting against <laughs> villains. Um, uh, as a matter of comparison, in the 1990 version, why were the rebels acting against Kohagen? Um, he was, I mean, he literally was restricting their air at one point, but effectively, um, yeah, he was kind of making like a slave class almost. Like he was iron fist controlling them, not actually doing anything to benefit them. And he was just kind of, I mean, he was their governor, I think, or mayor or whatever, but he was really super corrupt and just flooding all the money back to earth and not uh, reinvesting it into Mars. Everyone was kind of stuck in squalor. That's very interesting, Seb. In the film that's rated more highly, you could give a clear answer to a very simple question that is the premise of the movie. And in the one that is rated poorly, you were confused. As to how to answer the same very simple question about the whole premise of the film. That's, that's, a, very interesting, that's a very interesting point. It is. Can we talk about the killer robots yet? Are we up to the killer robots? <laughs> oh. I, think, I think it's also at, at this point that um, Melina sort of says, yeah, so Hagen's constructing an army because he wants to take over the colony or something. But why? Before. It's terrible down there. I, I live there because right now. It's terrible. Living space, living space is at a premium. Everywhere is, you know, under under this chemical blanket from the wars, Seb. And the only inhabitable place is the British Federation, which has all been built out. You know, you can't rip up any of the roads that the rubber wheel tires are still build up. Uh, stupid. The, the cars are still <laughs> using. You can't can't do any of that. You must invade the opposite side of the planet in order to demolish it and reconstruct it so that people have a place to live. Don't you care about people's housing? If kids? only they had developed technology that could have gotten them to perhaps <laughs> a different planet and utilise the space there. And also, if you guys are so fucking keen on you know, building through the Earth's crust, why aren't there just like underground societies? Uh, exactly! Exactly! If you were going to invest any money at all into workers' housing, you would go subterranean, and that would be a better story because then it's a fight against the people who are on the surface and the people who are perpetually underground. Yep. That I could buy. That is a good premise for a story. Not this other side of the world bullshit. What the hell is that? The idea that the entire premise of this film is repeating how Australia was founded by recolonizing <laughs> it. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Okay, it's fine. It's so stupid. But yep. anyway, we make it to Colin Quaid's apartment. Um, it's very neatly preserved. Everything is tied up in little evidence boxes that he has to go around cutting with a, with a Stanley knife. Yep. Uh, one question, if it's being monitored and he's part of you know, he's part of the, uh, the, the agency and he's a secret agent, why can he get into his own place? Why hasn't there an alarm been, been set off? I guess it has because they're waiting for him in the lobby later on anyway. They're waiting for him in every lobby able... in this film. That's not, that's not special. Yeah, that's, they're just always around the true. corner. But why is he able to go in there and have a look around? Because oh, he's a in bad the, spy. In, in, again, in the original, Quaid, Arnold Quaid, doesn't go anywhere recognisable, right? He's, uh, the only place that's recognisable that he goes is the last resort where he meets Melina and we find out is actually a, you know, a, um, one of the access points to the rebel uh, stronghold. Yep. Um, 
but other than that, he's staying in hotels. He's just exploring Mars where, where he would be. He doesn't go anywhere that is a sanctuary, in a sense. Whereas yeah. in this one, he goes back to his own apartment. Well, if you're running the idea that he's a double agent and he kind of wanted himself to go along the trail, I guess you could argue yeah. that he let himself get in there because that's where he gets the information about what to do anyway. So maybe... Like he he needed yeah. himself to go there. Maybe I know I'm doing I'm, this is a stretch. I'm helping this film, and I shouldn't have to. But, <laughs> it doesn't deserve it. Then. <laughs> yep. Uh, there is something that is nice about this scene, and there is something cool. What do you um, like? It's really nice the way they they play uh, Colin Quaid realizing he can play the piano. It's established earlier on. He kind of says it in a in a little you know uh, throwaway line. Harry, have you ever wanted to learn how to play the piano? Yeah. Right? Because he's sitting at the bar, he sees somebody playing the piano, and he, and he just says to Harry, wouldn't you like to, wouldn't you like to learn? You know, I, I, I never learned. I'd, I'd really like to. And all of a sudden, he can play. And he kind of just, just has this little moment. Nice bit of acting. Really nice moment in the, in the scene where he, he's just shocked that he can play the piano. He can't believe it. Maybe it's real. See, it reminds me... Unfortunately, of that um, Planet of the Apes sequence from the Simpsons episode where Troy McClure is, oh, yeah. um, um, can I play the piano? It was like, you no, know, like, like before. And he's like, I can't see why not. Well, I couldn't before. <laughs> like that's, that's, unfortunately, um, I did get those flashbacks. But that's not, that's not this movie's fault. That's just the Simpsons ruining no. things in retrospect again. <laughs> and uh, it is kind of cool using music as a key, using a, a musical sequence as a key. Yeah, it's, it's weirdly really nice like shorthand for this for these screenwriters, isn't it? <laughs> like, you don't expect yeah. it. Yeah, but it's really it. But then it goes into this interactive hologram, and that's, we're back into stupid territory. Of course we are. We never yeah. left, Andrew. We never left stupid territory. No, I've got things to tell you, but this is going to be a puzzle. I can't just record myself telling you what I think is important. I'm going to record answers and then you're going to have to ask the right questions in order for those answers to be unlocked. This is actually um, a, pull, a fallback. This reminds me of something. It's um, iRobot, which is not a Philip K. Dick story. It's a, it's a... Which, which is, is, is played off for that way because Cromwell in that... Or I can't remember the character name, but he He's needs dead, to right? tell detectives... He needs to tell the detectives things about the conspiracy that can't be known... Uh, to to anybody who's behind the conspiracy, so that's why it has to be masked. The recording is accessible to everybody. Here, yeah. the recording is only accessible in this apartment through a musical key that only Colin Quaid knows. So yeah. why is it so cryptic? Again, it's just a cool idea. It looks pretty, and it makes absolutely no sense. It does look pretty, though. That part is right. <laughs> Yeah, it does look pretty. <laughs> hey, if you so only aim to succeed in one space in this film, it's just making it look nice. And it does. Yeah, yeah, I know. And we find out here some stupid rubbish about, uh, um, what's his name, uh, Cohagen having a kill code that mm. Hauser knows for the entire robot army. Uh, and that's what the resistance has been has been after. They need that kill code in order to stop this invasion that's happening for some reason. Yeah, it's all just different levels of trash is what we're trying to say there, right? Uh, they get down to the lobby without any trouble, and we find Harry's there with you know a robot army, you know, outside the lobby, all stopping them from exiting. Yeah, and this is where Harry takes on the role as, as the Doctor uh, in the original, and kind of lays it all out and says, "You're having an episode." You went to recall. It didn't work. 
this is all fallout from that. You need to take me seriously because we need to break you out of it. You have to shoot your partner as a symbol. Again, stupid. Yep. You know, uh, appeal is not even subtle. Okay? Well it's not, not going to make any mess. We're going to, we're going to knock you unconscious after you swallow this pill and we're going to deal with you that way. This, it's, you know, you're going to have to shoot your partner as a symbol that you're going to do it. What? Yeah, I actually didn't it's mind this point. one because I thought it was well acted, but it is it is really? a lot more ham-fisted than the last one. But The performance again, is not the problem with this scene. <laughs> yeah. And for me, it's like the same thing that they did when they brought the wife in as the, um, or they expanded the wife's yeah. spy character. Like, yes, I mean, technically good job. You're consolidating your characters so you don't have a thousand characters, you know, doing the same thing. So by bringing yeah. back that one actor, you did, you know, you saved a paycheck, I guess. I don't know. Um, but Maybe. I don't know. I, I still liked it when it was the random doctor last time a bit more because that way it was, it felt more like, oh, it is somebody from recall. It's not just like the random friend, like it's somebody from the facility that's done this to him. Like that's kind of a nice touch. Whereas this yeah. one, it's like, oh, it's just that actor that we've seen in another scene, which is fine, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Dislike. Whatever. No, I mean, it's, whatever, <laughs> but it's just, it's not as smooth as it should be. So anyway, he, he resisted. He uh, uh, gets the idea in his head, Colin Quaid. Again, there's no neat little scene where we can see what, what Doug Quaid is thinking uh, with the bead of sweat down, down the doctor's uh, face in the original. Um, in this one, Colin Quaid just realizes, okay, this is Harry's, Harry's lying, he's a fake. And he, he goes to shoot Melina, and then he turns around and shoots Harry in the head. Yep. Which, and all hell breaks loose, and they get away. And, uh, dislike. Uh, I liked Harry <laughs> in this film. I did. I actually really enjoyed the Harry character in this film. He was expanded yeah, on a lot more. To- well, he's a, he's a good actor. Um, this guy, I remember him from a little Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence film called uh, Life Sentence. Yep. Well, life, uh, it's just called. He plays uh, Can't Get Right. Uh, um, this, you know, dumb, mute uh, uh, guy who's, who's being imprisoned in this in this camp. But he's terrifically good at baseball and he gets the governor's wife, the uh, governor's daughter pregnant or something. Yep. And he ends up having this fantastic baseball career. I remember him from that. Good actor. Okay. And it's actually nice hearing him talk because he is very eloquent, um, but completely underused. In a, in a stupid story for a stupid role. Yeah, it was definitely... Yeah, anyway, we'll move on. But yeah. We'll move on. Uh, we get a little homage to the elevator scene at the end, although nobody's arms get cut off. Nobody's limbs get cut off at all, unfortunately. Damn liberal but Hollywood. Elevators are kind of, yeah, but the sideways elevators are kind of cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, we can all agree. Yeah. I say we all like yeah. this more than just the two of us here. It looks <laughs> lovely. They have a nice yeah. eye for the science fiction. It's not an original look, to be fair. Like, this is the stuff from, you know, this is a shittier version of Blade Runner. It's a shittier version of Minority Report, yeah. but it's still versions of those sorts of things. That's um, exactly right. All right, what uh, are we in next, though? <laughs> so we're at the point in the film where uh, Quaid gets, they, they get away from the, from the, and the cop army, uh, the, the robot army, and Melina takes Quaid to the rebel stronghold. Yep. Where we meet Matthias in real life. We've only seen him in a little snippet uh, before this. Um, and he tells Quaid, there's the, the kill code is a part of your memory. I've got a machine here. Have a seat. We'll unlock it out of there. Um, we'll you know bust the memory cap or whatever it is. Yep. You know, playing around with it. They do that. 
um, something goes wrong and we get a nice little hologram of Brian Cranston that comes up saying, ha-ha, Matthias, you idiot, there's no kill code and now you're all going to die. My army is waiting and they break through the walls and kill Matthias. And there. there we go. One of the best actors in this film gone straight off for no reason. Straight off. And Cohagen uh, uh, has his moment and he says, I'm the bossest bitch there is. Um, I'm going to lead a totally whack invasion and you guys are all uh, going to die. I'm not going to do it myself. I shot uh, Matthias in the head. I'm not going to do that to you, uh, Colin Quaid. I'm going to have you um, have you uh, relapsed or whatever into the into the memory thing yep. and my agents will take care of that. I've got an invasion to run. I'm going to skedaddle and get out of here. You guys take care of it. I'm sure nothing can go wrong. Yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, was it Austin Powers? Like, you're not going to stand there and watch them die? No, no, no. We're going to have dinner. Which, yeah. to be fair, they did do in the other movie as well. They're literally like, well, we're off. We'll see you at the party. <laughs> That's it. Like, they, yeah. <laughs> so as stupid as no, it is, no, they were just emulating the original. Yeah, Cohagen's too busy to shoot Quaid in the head. He's got to go off right into battle on his horse. Yep. Oh, idiots. Anyway, yep. He escapes. Um, They're fine. Yeah, Colin Quaid's friend who sent him the message, who, who was on the video call, um, he recognizes him because his eyes look similar through a mask that is heavily fogged. Yep. And Colin Quaid can spot that because he's a super spy. He's a super spy. There's no, there's no spies better than him. Yeah, exactly right. He recognized him instantly. Um, and he helps him get out, but he dies, uh, unfortunately, in the firefight. Yeah. They get out and there's a fight and there's more fighting and Cohagen is on his high horse and he dies. That's it. End of movie. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Then there's, the invasion. A, then there's a fake yeah. out, right? Because <laughs> he notices that it's his, not his, not Melina, was it? It was... um. What's her face? Oh, that's right. There is there is a face. After, after they win the day, they stop the robot invasion. They destroy the elevator um, for the for the fall so they can't get to the Federation anymore and they can't come through the colony. Uh, and he's in the ambulance getting comforted by Melina, uh, Colin Quaid, when he realizes that uh, she doesn't have the scar and immediately pins her against the wall and tries to kill her. And yeah, it's that little hologram thing that that um, Laurie is is wearing uh, in order to finally kill Quaid. Even though, what's the point now? Because everything is over. It's personal, right? <laughs> yes, but I guess, I guess. Oh. But did she have any stock in the game? This was Cohagen's plan all along to invade. Yeah. Um, she doesn't. I don't think she really lost anything by the invasion being stopped. I'm just trying to yeah? think. Yeah, no, not really. Like, oh, I mean. She was really pissed off about the entire film because she wanted to kill him, but she kept getting told not maybe, to by I mean, Princeton, maybe? I don't know. Okay, so in, in the original, Richter, who kind of... Uh, Laurie's role in this one was an amalgamation of Laurie the wife and Richter, the the agent opposite Hauser. Which is funny because he they was, were fucking in that other movie and now they're one character. Yeah, right? Yep. They're very interested. But the point is, Richter... Um, his motivation for nailing Hauser was that he was a rival agent. Right? They were both working for Cohagen. Cohagen favoured Hauser, and uh, Richter just wanted an excuse to get rid of him. He wanted to kill him from the very start. He didn't know that Hauser was part of the plan, but he was just 
happy to get him out of the picture. He he gets rage filled when um, uh, Quaid kills Laurie, who he's been sleep- you know is his, is his girlfriend. He gets rage filled, and that's how he ends up losing his arms and dying in the elevator crash because he's just so filled with rage. He's just blindly going after Quaid without really thinking about it. Yeah, but he's he's trying to nail him from the very start. In this, Laurie is an agent um, who is trying to, you know, at first she's she's uh, spying on Quaid to make sure the the memory cap takes, or he's you know just there to make sure nothing happens to him until it's time to execute this, this plan. But once it all falls apart, why is she still fighting for the cause? Cohagen's gone, and she didn't like Cohagen at all. She wanted to kill. Um, Hauser as well, just because he was a rival agent. But without Cohagen in the picture and with the invasion failing, what's the point? Why wouldn't you just go away and disappear? What, oh, what, what's the point? Why is it's it because personal? she's a badly written character? Yeah, is, is because the, she's a bad guy. Yeah, well, that's she's her. a bad guy, and she needs to come up and yeah. <laughs> you need to kill Bill Nye. That's your role. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. Yep. Oh. Uh, well, I'm. I, I don't think we should. Spread this out any further? Are you happy to move into verdicts? I think so. I think that's appropriate. You've heard the good, you've heard the bad, a lot of opinions, a couple facts, it's verdict time. It's not even that it was bad. It was just boring as hell and made, made me feel nothing. Like, I mean, yeah. being boring, I would rather a bad film than a boring film because at least in a bad film, I can giggle along with it. Like, if this film was just The Fall over and over and over again, like that that level of bad, I might be more <laughs> loving of it because it was so stupid, but it's stupid in, in tiny waves here and there and bland in the rest. And honestly, super unnecessary. The original still looks really good. It tells a more intricate story and the action is a lot, I know, a lot better to per se. The different styles of the action, like you could go either way depending yeah. on what kind of choreography and, and shot types you like. But for me, the original... I'm not going to say the original is perfect. Don't get me wrong. It has some flaws, but for the most part, it was unnecessary to come back to it, especially when your your take on it was worse. So, yeah. Yep, that's um, exactly right. But, so I can't, I'm not going to recommend it, but no, in fact, yeah, I'm absolutely not going to recommend it, but it's not a train wreck either. It was just useless. The, um, the, the 1990s version is a good solid story it's subtle it has enough ambiguity that it keeps the mystery alive through the whole thing uh this film takes everything literally it beats the audience over the head with what it wants it to think doesn't leave any room for ambiguity whatsoever and it's not fun it's not fun to be along for the ride with this movie it's not even good as a standalone film and it's you know horrible as a comparison to the to the 1990 version yeah absolutely it's for for me. It was it was perfectly summarised when I asked you, you know, of the two, you've got the same character in both versions. Tell me the motivations for each one, and you couldn't tell me what Cohagen's what what, what sorry what Matthias's uh, uh, resistance was was all about. You couldn't tell me why Cohagen was doing what he was doing, and even and even Quaid himself, the whole motivation for him starting the the whole journey in the. In the 1990s version, it's because he has this obsession with Mars that he can't he can't overcome without doing something about it. You know, he can't forget about it. He either has to go or he has to do this recall thing, and his wife doesn't want to go, so he goes and does this recall thing. And in this one, he does it 
just because he's bored. Yep. Like, we have aspirations a, in the first one. Yeah, like he, he has a dream yeah. that he wants to fulfill. In this one, it's just like, yeah. yep, I sure do sit in this. They, they, literally, his complaint is that they sit in the same seat every time they go down the fall. Yeah, which is a fine complaint, but actually take it somewhere. Don't just make that the basis of, of, of uh, you know, what gets the story moving. Yep. This one, the, the reboot is just a checklist of things to do rather than an actual story that wants to be told. Absolutely, yeah. Absolute waste of time is what it was, both making it and watching time. it and talking about yeah. it for an hour. I mean, not that I didn't enjoy yeah. it, but like this film did not deserve even a review. <laughs> so useless. No, no. <laughs> there, there was a RoboCop remake around the same time as this Total Recall remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it at least tried to go in a new direction. I don't think it really worked, but it tried. This film didn't even try. Yep. I mean, this this film's it biggest commentary point was, isn't Australia a terrible place? And you're like looking around for the bushfires <laughs> and like, yeah, a little bit sometimes. Like um, that, that's the biggest like bit of commentary that this film adds. It's different. Whereas the other films, that's right. I think the other film's going to age better, honestly, because yeah. eventually the oh, Mars absolutely. thing will be real and we'll be like, hey, look at this. <laughs> like it's Yeah, this is what we used to think. But who knows? There may be tyrants on Mars yet. Yep. It's far away enough that it can happen, yeah. And then Mars will have to, you know a bit of an issue between the north and the south, and they'll have to build some sort of elevator <laughs> that travels between the two. Oh, fuck. All right. <laughs> well, it's smaller, so at least it'll be cheaper. Yep, a little bit more, but also it's smaller. <laughs> just drive around the edge. Anyway. Um, yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Build the Maglev Highway. <laughs> yeah, just do that. All right. Um, let's smash out some socials and we'll get out of here. Find us on Instagram at Second Take Podcast. And if you live in the future, you can tweet us at Second Take TNC. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Second Take Media Review Podcast. And if we wanted to tweet you directly, Andrew, where do we go? You can technically reach me at AS Schossler. I've tweeted three times in my life, and I think I've got the notifications nailed. I will be able to tell whether or not you've messaged me. <laughs> um, you can tweet me at Bastion underscore James, uh, Jordan at Jordan MSPP, and Alex at um, Alex underscore Dozer, and that is Dozer with a Z. Um, you can jump onto our website, secondtakepodcast.com, or email us on secondtakepodcast at gmail.com. And we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash take. So... I believe we had established amongst ourselves when we had a full a full group last time that we were going to fill next week's review with Magruba. <laughs> Is that correct? <laughs> if that's if that's still the plan, I'm happy to play along. <laughs> we can do Magruba, and I've had a request that I've received. Now I'll pose this to you, Andrew. I was this person okay. sent me several films. I'm going to commit down to one of them, and I'm going okay. to give you a choice between the two of them because the other ones are unacceptable. Would you okay. like to do? So MacGruber is one of them. MacGruber and Apollo 13 or, Ooh, or yeah. Twister. Oh, I have to say, I would rather do Apollo 13 and Twister instead of MacGruber. Well, too bad. MacGruber's in. <laughs> ah, also, trust me, those are both very, I mean, I, don't, I can't remember about Twister, but Apollo 13 is a very long movie. So I think having a short MacGruber might just be a bit more <laughs> beneficial for us. Okay, let's do Apollo 13. Especially considering after that, we do move into the Godfather trilogy. And those are very okay. long movies. So I, I do feel like the, we're gonna, you're going to look back fondly on MacGruber once we hit Godfather 3. <laughs> <laughs> Deal.
Okay. Um, so Apollo 13 and MacGruber, uh, it'll be in one of those orders. Probably, I think MacGruber first, maybe just to, oh, who cares? We'll, we'll, we'll work it out on the day, but expect one of those on Monday. <laughs> um, wonderful. Well, yeah, we'll catch you guys later. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Second Take Podcast is recorded within the Moreton Bay region of Queensland, Australia, and acknowledges this region's original owners, namely the Jinnabara, Kabi Kabi, and Yugera people. Second Take Podcast respectfully acknowledges the traditional custodians of these lands, and we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging, for they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures, and hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.